Hello, it is time for another deep dive into the Jedi Archive. So let's sift through the sacred text, burn the tree, and stretch out with our feelings. Remember, for knowledge and defense only, Peter, don't worry, I'm not going to attack your deep dive today. Oh, thank you. I'm Mike, and this is Pete. How the space are you? I am doing quite well. Thank you very much. Oh. You know what, Mike? Yeah? I think we need some more reviews. And to do that, I think we should please urge people to leave us an iTunes review. And not only will it help our show, but it will enter you into a contest to podcast with us. So leave an iTunes review with your best thing and least favorite thing in Star Wars, your grading scale. And that will be sweet. Um, I just want to shut that out. We usually do our shout outs at the end for all these things. We don't want to shut that out top because I think that would be a really cool opportunity for someone who likes us. Beside that, are you ready to get deep? Oh, so ready. You ready to get deep like a Chicago pizza, which everyone knows is the inferior pizza? Yeah. It's the inferior (laughs) by far. Thin crust. Thin crust or die. Yeah, definitely. 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 So this one is going to be long and nerdy. This is your warning, people. Um, it's going to be long and nerdy, just like me. This is my deep dive on hyperspace. How's that sound, Mike? You know, or they could just turn it off and not listen. They don't have to. This isn't This isn't class. This doesn't interest you. This is you. mandatory listening. This doesn't interest you. Just don't listen. But this is... Welcome to science class, people. This is... You're being graded. This is the deep dive that we live for. <laughs> I know. This, is, this one was really fun. So... Yeah, I don't know. I love it. That's cool. just me. Yeah, so we thought with the call, this is a good companion piece because we saw some people juice up their butts and take off, and we see lots of ships juice up their butts and take off in Star Wars. So how does that work? Have you ever wondered that, Mike? Mm-hmm. This is how that works. <coughs> That's my professor sound. <laughs> okay, it's a horse, but keep going. I think they learned that they teach you that in PhD class. Got it. So hyperspace as a concept is an alternate dimension that exists in parallel as an alternative to real space. Mm -hmm. The only way to access hyperspace from real space is through molecular displacement, which is achieved by breaking the speed of light. Okay. So I, I didn't know this, but hyperspace is basically an entirely new dimension beside real space and so you can transfer in between it by breaking the speed of light sure the way this is done in the star wars universe is using hyperdrives when used the hyperdrive motivator sends hypermatter particles through real space allowing a ship to propel past the speed of light and into the speeds of hyperspace Mm So, some information about hyperdrives before we talk about how that works. Hyperdrives were rated by class. The lower the class, the faster the engine, which I didn't expect. I thought higher class would be a higher, a faster engine. So, for example, with its class one hyperdrive, the Carrion Spike, which was Wilhuff Tarkin's ship, was the fastest ship in the Imperial Navy. While top of the line battlecruisers such as Imperial class Star Destroyers 
featured a Class II hyperdrive. The first Death Star, meanwhile, had a mere Class IV hyperdrive, which is just funny. I think we're about to talk. We talked about this on another episode that is soon to be released. It's just funny to me that the Death Star has a hyperdrive. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Han Solo's Millennium Falcon, though, had an exceptionally fast hyperdrive, class 0.5, respectively, which is extremely rare. Um, We also know that hyperdrives emit something called Cornell radiation, which allowed sensors to know when something enters or exits hyperspace nearby. So that's when people are like, we're detecting ships coming out of hyperspace. They're detecting the Cornell radiation. Oh, so I would suspect, though, a breakthrough in this Cornell radiation sensor technology is at work to allow the first order to track ships through hyperspace, which was beforehand thought to be impossible without use of a tracker. So this is where I'm going to get real nerdy. Okay. Uh, get your let's get our big boy pants sure. on, because I'm going to talk about some real life science that I found really interesting. So in real life, as you probably know, it is impossible for an object to travel faster than light in a vacuum, but it is actually possible in other mediums to slow down light, which means it would be possible for an object to theoretically emit light, then speed up to faster than the emitted light, thereby outrunning the light emitted. So, for example, light travels 25% slower in water, which I didn't know. Hmm. So, Makes theoretically, sense. like if you're in water and could get to 75% of the speed of light, you could outrun the speed of light. Um, So this is seen in like nuclear reactions. There's a phenomenon observed in when high energy electrons travel faster than the slow down speed of light. When this happens, something called Trichinov radiation is emitted. So that's what I thought was interesting because that is kind of like a corollary to the Cornell radiation used in Star Wars. So this would indicate a theoretical real-life way that entering the barrier of hyperspace could be achieved. Another fun fact, the radiation seen in real life is usually seen as a bluish light, which would be in line with the blue tunnel of light we observe in Star Wars. Hmm. Yeah. So I like the real-world corollary there. Okay. I wonder if George Lucas knew that or that was just a fun accident. (laughs) It is a fun, fun accident or coincidence or on purpose thing. Yeah. So I want to shout out a couple people, Rainier Weiss, Larry C. Barish, and Kip S. Thorne, who won the normal Nobel Prize in Physics in 2017. They won this prize for detecting two black holes that collided with each other a billion light years away, and then they measured gravitational waves that were emitted from this collision. And when that was observed with mirrors and lasers, the gravitational waves actually caused the mirrors to move closer to each other. Sure. So that leads us to the theory that with a strong enough gravitational wave, we could not we could not only propel faster than light, but then literally fold space-time on itself like a piece of paper and bring two distances together. So this is much of the theory of hyperspace in Star Wars. So technically in Star Wars, when you enter this dimension, you're not mm. just going super fast. You're, imagine you put two points on a piece of paper, you draw them with a pencil, and then you fold that piece of paper in half, bringing those two points together. So, wait, that is what... I thought, I mean, you described in the beginning molecular displacement, and now mm-hmm. what you're describing sounds more like 
a wormhole. Um, which yeah. Is, I've always, this, that's been the, we've already had these discussions, but I'm trying to figure out which one it is. And is it, what you're describing is kind of both? Kind of, yeah. So here, so what I said in the beginning, let me check the notes, is the only way to access hyperspace is from, from real space is through molecular displacement. So you enter hyperspace, which is a different dimension, by breaking the speed of light, which causes molecular displacement. Okay. You shift into this new dimension, and then within that new dimension, now two points between each other are now closer together. Distance changes. Got it. I think I'm making. I think it's making sense finally. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's complicated. Sorry, it's just it just that's what it is. <laughs> so that is kind of the theoretical um, technology behind hyperspace, which I think is kind of interesting to look at the real life corollaries because something like this could be theoretically possible, but very 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 hard. But then that brings us to hyperspace lanes, which we learned a lot about in this previous episode. Hyperspace exists. This is going to be confusing again because distances between places change, but it's weird, wibbly wobbly physics stuff. Hyperspace exists with the same borders as and within the same space and time as real space. With objects in real space existing as shadow objects in hyperspace. So if there's a moon in the real space, dimension then there's a shadow of that moon in the hyperspace dimension as mentioned by han solo in a new hope traveling through hyperspace ain't like dust and crops boy without precise calculations we could fly right through a star bounce too close to a supernova and that'll end your trip real quick wouldn't it mm, well said so that's why hyperspace lanes are so important because those objects in the hyperspace dimension will still blow your ass up all right Jeez. Yeah, ships were usually fitted with fail-safes that could detect the gravity wells of oncoming shadow objects and pull your ship out of hyperspace if in danger, but it is ineffective and dangerous to rely on the fail-safe working all the time. That is why explorers and astrogators, which I think is a fun word, those are scientists in the Star Wars universe that study the distances in space, <laughs> astrogators, they charted known safe highways between common points on the galactic map to ensure a safe voyage. These are hyperspace lanes. The discovery of a new hyperspace lane was pivotal in commerce and war and were highly sought after. Two fun notes, though. The hypersafe, <laughs> the hyperdrive failsafe, also known as the hypersafe, was able to be turned against a pilot by the Empire when they used interdictor machines, interdictor machines mm -hmm. that created artificial gravity wells causing the ships, ships failsafe to turn on and pull the ship out of hyperspace. Holy moly. So that is what we saw in, I forgot what the episode name was, but the one where Sato is cruising with Ezra and then a ship, an Empire ship pulls them out of hyperdrive. The ship isn't literally pulling them out of hyperdrive. What it's doing is it's falsifying one of these shadow objects. And then that tricks the ship's failsafe to be like, oh, no, there's a moon coming up. And then it jumps out of hyperspace real quick. All right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Another fun fact. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm, ment I'm mentally trying to keep up. I know. A lot here. Sorry. You got to maybe, maybe put your podcast on half speed so you can keep up with the speed I'm firing it on. I don't get it. Yeah, sir. Secondly, 
some pilots, such as Han Solo and Harrison Dula, were known to disable their failsafe, allowing them to jump closer to celestial objects than was advised by any sane pilot. So we saw this with Han Solo jumping to the surface of Starkiller Base through their little shield thingy. How were these lanes first discovered? A millennia or so before the Galactic Civil War, humans created sublight engine systems called a dimensional drive. These ships were quite fast, but a journey to a new star system would take several decades or centuries. This is when the discovery of carbonite led to a breakthrough in interstellar exploration. When we see Han frozen in carbonite in Empire Strikes Back, the practice of freezing humans had been lost to history, hence why Vader was not even sure it would work. Lord Vader, we only use this facility for carbon freezing. You put him in there, it might kill him. I do not want the Emperor's prize damaged. We will test it on Captain Solo. But back in the day, humans used to freeze themselves in carbonite, load up on these giant dimensional drive ships, then launch themselves to the furthest corners of the galaxy. This is how planets like Alderaan and Corellia were first colonized colonized by humans. There's a lot of big words in this one. Not a good one for me to be stumbling over my words. <laughs> it's okay. You're, you're, you're tackling them admirably. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. But I like that idea of them, a bunch of just people freezing themselves and just shooting themselves off into space. But <laughs> I, I guess I'd do it. Yeah, why not? Wake up like... 500 years later and you're on Alderaan. During the exploration of deep space, though, explorers came across strange whale-like creatures called Pergale. Spacers, which is another spacers. fun word. Yeah, people who are in space, they refer to them as spacers, which I think is fun. <laughs> spacers noticed they would vanish into another dimension and theorized that they were using this skill to transverse large expanses of space quickly. The study of the Pergill led humans to discover the gas Clauson 36, which we saw in this episode. That gas not only allowed the creatures to breathe, but allowed them to jump to hyperspace. Eventually, the study of Pergill led to a breakthrough. Um, by the way, did you know, before I talk, to the, talk about the breakthrough, there is a connection to Solo and the Pergill? Uh, through the Krillian run? Nope. So according to the official solo guide, whalers, which is sad, F those people, whalers discovered the existence of coaxium in the organs of the pergill. And scientists discovered an organic refinement process that allowed the, the Clauson 36 gas to be mixed with coaxium and create hyperfuel. That powers the pergill's butts. After experimenting with different forms, a compact hyperdrive engine was created, and they used this hyperfuel to let everyone power up their butts and take off. Man, I really want the Moby Dick of um, Star Wars <laughs> to be written now. Yep. So that's the connection, which I thought was interesting, is basically how the Pergil's organs use. They breathe in that gas, it mixes in some sort of refinement process in their internal organs, and then it turns into coaxium, which is refined into hyperfuel, wow. just like in Solo. And that is how people discovered to jump into hyperspace. Uh, I like that. Yeah. I'm tired after all that. You're getting close. Keep going, man. Keep going. Keep pushing. (laughs) No, that's it. That's all I got. Uh, Oh, you want more? What else is there? I don't know. What else is there? I want more. 
Well, yeah, I'm sure there's will be plenty, plenty of other opportunities to talk about intergalactic planetary space dimension travel, but that is what I got You're right so, now. You're so beastie boys. I know. I started and then I was like, I forgot what the next part was. That's okay. JJ Abrams did enough for us. <laughs> Wait, don't they just say intergalactic planetary over and over? Yeah. Oh, that's the next part then. Yeah. Okay, cool. You nailed it. <laughs> tight, 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 tight. Thanks, Peter. That was interesting. It was long, Thanks. but that's how it had yeah. to be. Sorry, it was dense. No, it was not. It was like a dense, like a grapefruit cake. Yeah, it was like dense, like a Chicago pizza, right? Mm, nah, same for us, probably. <laughs> I know. Well, thank you. And like uh, Pete said at the beginning of the podcast, if you want to podcast with us, leave us a review on iTunes. Mm-hmm. You want an example of someone who did that? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not leave without dropping a shout out to NVI. All right. Yeah. So this is an update to an earlier review. So you know what? You get that anyway, because I like this a lot. Thank you. Um, NVI says the show is still brilliant. And I forgot how much I like even the filler episodes of Rebels. This is the show to pair with watching. That was in capital. That's why I yelled it. The show to pair with watching. My rating scale would probably look like Dooku Yoda fight dialogue where they just transition from the force to lightsaber fighting with that awful dialogue like phrases of a video game battle. It is obvious that this contest cannot be decided by our knowledge of the force. But by our skills with a lightsaber. That's their worst thing. Hmm. Uh, I know you have feelings about that. To the best thing in Star Wars being the buildup of multiple sequences of tension climaxing in the Holdo maneuver. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's a good one. This is a perfect pairing with Rebels, and it makes for hilarious and insightful commentary on one of my favorite shows. Thank you for the update, NVI. We appreciate it. You are now in the drawing to podcast with us. So oh, cool. And we look forward to the drawing. We very much do look forward to it. Well, yeah. thanks, Peter. Thanks for that review. Um, NGI, that was awesome. And uh, <laughs> remember, you can still get these pins, these Space mm-hmm. Oddity exclusive pins. Uh, yep. We're coming down to the wire. They're about to sell out. We're not going to reprint them. So get them on. There's links to our big cartel on our instagram and twitter which you can yep. find at rebels rebels pod on instagram or twitter yep mm-hmm. yep you can also email the show at rebels rebels pod and in the meantime keep sailing yeah and remember <laughs> that's just a thing i'm gonna start saying now keep sailing guys. when you're in hyperspace remember to be brave <laughs> and don't look back don't look back peace see ya